at the end of the service today, I want to share one, two things with you. And so be not in a haste to go out of his presence. For why will you stand in an evil place? First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. The word of God says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereof, whereunto thou hast attained. By the grace of God, I will be using for a text tonight, speaking on the subject of a good minister. Who is a good minister? Is he the one who can speak for two hours? Is he the one who can prepare to preach a good message but does not live a good Christian life? Who is a good minister? But the title of a message is a good minister. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I give you the glory and honor for bringing us into your presence. Thanking you for every and all things that have been done. Let the purpose of this service be established. And oh God, I pray for these students who are not the sound of my voice. Lord, you have brought them into this school at this strategic period of their lives. And your intention is to impart them with indelible imprints of your word. That they may be gloriously transformed in the first instance. And become agents of transformation wherever they find themselves. Lord, let the, the things that they are going to be taught, that they have been taught, and the things that they have, be, they have been taught be such that will find practical areas in their lives. Thank you for bringing them to their remembrance accordingly and energizing them through what they have learned and received and had and seen. We pray, oh God, that every time we spend in your presence will not be wasted. We will be properly employed and the impact and the impressions of it will be permanent. Be glorified, Father. We magnify and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Everybody say, a good minister. A good minister. Beautiful. If I ask every one of you to define a good minister, I know there is going to be as many definitions as there are individuals who want to define the subject. But today I want to try and define a good minister of Jesus Christ. Who is that person? What are his mannerisms and his methods? How does he carry himself? Where does he go? What are his habits? What are his inclinations? What are the things that characterize him? A good minister of Jesus Christ. Immediately I became a Christian, one of the wonderful opportunities I had was that under one year and three months, God called me into the ministry. I gave my life to Christ to be precise on the 27th of September 1980 and I was called into the ministry on December 19th 1981 that was just about one year three months after I came to know the Lord one of the things that first of all challenged me as a young Christian and in those days as a young minister was something that I saw in the word of God and that thing had to do with the fact that God wants you and I to be like him it was a challenge imagining someone just coming out of the world haven't lived the kind of way i have lived just been saved a year 
just received the call of God and suddenly you are challenged by a biblical statement that says God wants you to be like him. I remember that I discovered that scripture when I was reading the Sermon on the Mountain. The Sermon on the Mount is the, is the greatest message that's ever been preached. It is even respected by people who are atheists like the, like the late Mahatma Gandhi. He said that if every person on earth will practice just what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the world will be a better place to live in. So, the Sermon on the Mount, I remember I was going through it. And as I was coming to the end of the first chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, I stumbled on this statement in verse 48, which says, Be ye therefore perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. It was a statement that troubled me. It was a statement that challenged me. Because to be called upon to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect was to me something like an impossibility. But well, if it is in the Bible and God says we should be, I wanted to be what God wanted me to be. So when I saw that scripture, it became a challenge. It became a motivating factor. It became something that confronted me with a fresh desire. Be therefore perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I remember again reading, reading Luke so many months after I read Luke chapter 6. Then I came to verse 36 of Luke chapter 6. Then this challenge came again. Be ye therefore merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. It was a challenge to me that God wanted me to behave like him. It was a challenge to me that God did not just want me to be perfect, but he wanted me to be merciful. And if he wanted me to be perfect and wanted me to be merciful, then automatically he wanted me to speak like and live like the way he lived. And that was a challenge to me. I remember later, my Christian experience, coming across Ephesians chapter 5 as 1. Which now says, be ye followers of God as their children. If you read it in the King James language, you are likely not to know what he's talking about. But if you look at the word follower there, in the Greek, you are likely to be confronted with the same challenge. Because the word follower that is used there is the word mimetes, M-I-M-E-T-E-S, which simply means mimic. So here is another challenge that says to me, be ye imitators of God or mimic God as dear children. That was a great challenge. I remember somebody looked at my little boy Faith recently and said, Faith will be someone that many people will be expecting so much from in terms of the ministry of the word of God. And the reason why he said that was because of what his father stands for. So everybody will probably expect Faith also to have the kind of grace that is on his father. So in those days when I saw those scriptures, it challenged me and it bothered me. You see, whenever I read some scripture about something God wants me to be or what God wants me to, to have, it's something I always spend time thinking about. I don't just read the scripture, I meditate. The Bible said in 1 Timothy 4.15, Meditate on these things, give yourself wholly unto them, that your profit may appear. Until you think about the things you read and the challenges you are faced with, you are not likely to be able to put a handle on it. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, Verse 148, he said, My eyes prevented the night watches, 
that I may meditate upon thy testimonies. One of the things that produced a blessed man is meditation. Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not the country of the godly, that stand not on the ways of sin, and that sit on the seat of the scornful. Verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and the law of the Lord does he meditate day and night. Anybody who claims to love the word of God will spend time thinking about it. When you come across the word of God and you, you love the word, you'll be thinking about it. That's what the Bible tells us in Psalm 119 verse 97. It says, Oh, how much I love thy law, that my meditations all the day. If at night your eyes prevented the night watching that you may meditate, and you meditate in the word of God day and night, you will discover that eventually you are going to be a doer of it. The reason why people do not have the capacity to do things is that the capacity to do things is first of all produced when you think about it. Do you know that most of the time when people think about it, something and they think about it long enough, that is when they now put action to it? When you think about it, you, you, you see, when you are thinking about something, what you are doing is that you are creating image of that thing solidly in your heart and mind. And that is what produces action. That is what Joshua 1.8 tells us. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. The reason why we don't have many people doing the word of God is because we don't have many people who are thinking about the word of God. People hear it and forget it. They hear it and jot it down. They don't hear it and think about it. They don't hear it and go home to ruminate. And uh, meditation was an art that Isaac had. Isaac was someone who came in contact with the blessings that God promised his father Abraham. And Isaac expected these blessings to come to pass in his life. And so Isaac had a characteristic attitude whereby he would go out in the field to meditate. When you meditate, it doesn't mean that you are reading. It doesn't mean that you have concordances and translations in front of you. It simply means that you are thinking about it. You are allowing the Spirit of God to take the Word of God and to explain to you what the Word of God has earlier on said to you. In Genesis 24, 63, you will see Isaac going out into the field to meditate in the evening. So it is always very important. So it bothered me when I saw that God says, Be ye perfect, as your heavenly father is perfect. I mean, for a one-year-old Christian who had lived most of his life in the world and who had lived very bad, a bad life, that was a challenge. Be ye therefore merciful, as your heavenly father is merciful. Then be ye therefore imitators of God as their children. I wanted to be everything God wanted me to be. And that was why it was a challenge. Anybody who never wants to be something, will never, it will not challenge them. No matter who preaches, no matter how long he preaches. I remember one of the things that challenged me in those days too was that when I said Jesus Christ preached his first message in Luke chapter 4, the Bible said he entered into the synagogue as his custom was on the day of, on the Sabbath day, and they handed on to him the book, and he opened it and he read the scripture and he closed it, the Bible said, and he gave it back to the minister. And then he preached a powerful message. That was something that challenged me as a young Christian. I said, well, I know a day is going to come that I'll just read the scripture, close the book, give it back to the other person, and go ahead and preach. And that was what Jesus did in his first message. In his first message, he entered in and they delivered to him the book and he opened and read. He opened and read to the place where it was written concerning him. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And from that place, he preached a powerful message. When we are talking about a good minister, who are we talking about? It bothered me that God says, be ye therefore perfect, as your heavenly father is perfect. It bothered me that God said, be ye therefore merciful. Now let me say this to you. The standards of God are very high standards. He doesn't want you to pray the way you want to pray. He wants you to pray like he prays. 
Jesus tells us that he, the word of God tells us that Jesus forever liveth to make intercessions for us. Living to make intercession. Which makes an intercessory lifestyle. Not only a lifestyle of intercession that you have. Not only interceding when you come into prayer meeting or when you come into the church. Not just that you quote scriptures when you are preaching, but you quote scriptures as a lifestyle. And that is the kind of lifestyle that I was challenged to. Life of lifestyle to want to, to, to want to be like God. So it bothered me. It troubled me. Whenever I read a scripture in the Bible and I, I think about it and I discover some things that is spirit and life, that ministers to my spirit, it always bothers me. Because I'm not that kind of person who reads something. I want to do it. That's the end product. Because Romans chapter 2 verse 13 says, Be not hearers of the law alone, but doers. James 1.22 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That was where the Berean Christians were different from every other Christians in those days. Acts 17.11 tells us that they will receive the word of God with me, but they will go home and still search where these things were so. Actually, one translation of that scripture gives you an insight. Not searching as in reading extra books, but searching as in going before the Spirit of God so that what was said can be interpreted to them personally. Because no matter what is taught, if you don't have a personal handle on it, it will not do you any good. No matter what we say, if you don't go home and ruminate on it, many people judge, they have fantastic notebooks. But I'm telling you that it's not the notebook that matters. The notebook is just an opportunity for you to, for you to be able to refer to it whenever thereafter it is needed. So who is a good minister? It troubled me in those days, very early. Be ye therefore perfect, be ye therefore merciful. It troubled me to know that God wanted me to follow him and be an imitator of God as a dear child. And there were two reasons why it troubled me. I'm going on now. There are two reasons why it troubled me. Number one reason why it troubled me was, ah, I knew that God was God and man was man. Now why is God wanting me, a man to behave like him? <laughs> I, it troubled me. I mean, God is God and man is man. So why is God asking me to behave like him? The Bible says in Numbers 23, 19, it says God is not a man. If God is not a man, then why is God giving me the challenge as a man? He knows who I am. He made me. I'm a creature. I'm not a creator. So why is he asking me to be like him? That troubled me. I know why Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, For my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So it troubled me because God is God, man is man. If God wants me to be like him, then I have to be God. And how is that going to be? That was the first reason why it troubled me. Then the second reason why it troubled me in those days, when I read the scripture that God wanted me to be like him, was that uh, it troubled me because if I'm going to be like somebody, at least I should be able to see the person. For me to be like that person, I should be able to see the person. I mean, God, let me first of all see what you want me to be like. Because, you see, I was a young Christian. I was coming into the faith and I had not seen, I mean, uh, one and a half years, I had not even, I mean, one and a half year Christian. How much of God do you expect him to know? That's not the fact that he knows one and a half years, I've almost finished the whole Bible twice. But you see, here he was telling me that I should be like him and I felt that, look, if you want me to be like you, at least you need to show me yourself. And the reason why it troubled me was that I, I had a knowledge of several scriptures in the Bible that said that God is invisible. So if you want me to be like something, at least you show me that thing. You want me to be like. The word of God tells us that God is invisible. In Hebrews eleven twenty seven, we are told that he is invisible. We are told in Exodus 33, there was a man who was so close to God by the name of Moses, whom the Bible called the friend of God. He said unto God at a particular point when their fellowship had gotten so deep, 
He said, show me your glory. And God had to answer him in verse 20 of Exodus 33. He says, he said, no man has ever seen me and no man can see me and leave. So I was bothered. You want me to be like you, but you, you, you can't show me yourself. And so that bothered me. The word of God tells us that God is invisible. John 1.18, even Jesus Christ said it. He says, no man has seen God at any time. First John chapter 4 verse 12 says it again. He says, no man hath ever seen God. The Bible tells us in First Timothy 1.17, he says, now unto the king eternal, invisible, the only wise God. So the God we are dealing with is an invisible God. But he wanted me to be like him and that troubled me. That troubled me because I felt that if I cannot be like him, then I was not the kind of person I was supposed to be yet. And so I wanted to be. I knew I could be. I know if I could not be, he wouldn't ask me to be. So I wanted to be. I'm one of those people who always want to be whatever God says is possible for me to be. But the word of God tells us God is invisible. I read that scripture and it troubled me. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 16. It says God dwelleth in a light. Whom no man can approach to. Whom no man has ever seen or can ever see. So all those scriptures tell, made me feel uncomfortable because I knew that I could not see God. I knew that physically in the flesh, it was impossible for me to see. So I was troubled. I was troubled because I wanted to be perfect like my heavenly father is perfect. I wanted to be massive like my heavenly father is massive. And I wanted to follow him. I wanted to imitate him. But here I was in a dilemma. I was not able to see him. And I went to God very sincerely. You see, the Bible tells us that that which I see showed down me. Job 34, 32. And if I have done iniquity, I will do no more. The word of God tells us in Job 29, 16, it says, Job said concerning himself, the cause which I don't understand, I search out. Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So I wanted God to tell me how it was going to be possible for me to be perfect like he is perfect. I wanted God to be able to tell me how I was going to be merciful like he wants me to be merciful. Because my own desire is such that if I know something is available, I want to have it. That is why I can never get to a point where anybody can tell me that some levels are in God that you cannot attain to. I believe that we have had much more, but there is still much more left. I know we have had so many good things in time past, but according to Hebrews 13, 14, for here have we no continuing sitting, we seek another one to come. So I, I had that desire. Nobody can convince me to stand here. I'm like Elisha. You can't tell me to stand in Gilgal. You can't tell me to stand here that you are going somewhere to do something. I'm ready to go on to know. Hosea 6.3 says, Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. There is still so much more of God left. Thank God for the revelation of God that he has given to us. But let me tell you something. Compared to the glory that is yet to be revealed, what you have is infinitesimally insignificant. You have nothing yet compared to what there is to have. You have seen nothing yet compared to what is there is to be seen. You have had nothing yet compared to what is there is to be had. I'm somebody who is always hungry. Matthew 5, 6, Luke 6, 21 says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be. God said there is a guarantee. If you are hungry enough, I will fill you up. If you want much, I will give you much more. If you want it, I will give you until you have no more room enough to contain it. And so nobody can convince me. So I went to God sincerely. Humbly, meekly, and I say, God, God, there's a problem here. You want me to be like you, but one, you are not a man, I'm not, I'm not God, so how can I be like you? Then I say, secondly, at least if you want me to be like something, you will show me what you want me to be like. 
And when I went to God, God gave me a revelation that, has tra- that transformed my entire life. And God gave me that revelation by saying two things. He said one. He said one of the reasons why I sent Christ to the cross. He gave me two. He said, let me speak to you, my son. And I said, well, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Then he said, he said one. He said one of the reasons why I sent my son Jesus Christ to the world was to reveal to the world the kind of person that I am. I wanted Christ to come to the world to give you a revelation of the kind of person that I am. The kind of person that you are. So I started studying that subject. And because as I was studying the subject, I really saw it. That indeed, one of the reasons why God sent Christ to the world was to put a human face so that he can, so that we human beings can be able to relate to many, many things about God that we could not otherwise be able to relate to if we are just listening to that God in the abstract whom we have never seen and whom no man can see. So God told me, he said, one of the reasons why I sent Jesus to the world is so that he could tell you or show you and display to you the kind of person that I am. And so I studied the word of God and I discovered that was so. The word of God says in Hebrews chapter 1, we read from verse 1 to 3. He said, God we in sundry times and diverse manners in time passed spoke to the Father by the prophets. Have in this last day spoken to us by his son, by whom he made the, by whom he made the words. He said, who is, the, who is the, the express, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Here is the person of God. But the person of God is not possible for man to see the person of God. And so what God did was to make himself seeable by sending himself to the world in the form of Christ. So when Christ came to the world, it was the brightness of the glory of God that will not make you blind. And the expression of the image of that God that was invisible. So Christ came to reveal to us how the unseen God actually looked like in character, in demeanor, in language, in disposition, in every and all things. So that when Christ was here... He kept on saying, look at me, look at me. Don't look far from me. You are trying to imagine how God looks, but this is God. That's what Jesus said in John 14, 9. He said, have I been so long with you, Philip, and yet thou hast not known me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Which means if you can look at Jesus, you have seen the Father. That was what Jesus said again in John 10, 30. He said, I am the Father... We are one. Many of us always know that Jesus Christ is the word of God. We always say Jesus is the word of God. But do you know that the word of God, actually the real word of God is God. John 1.1 1, 1, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. Verse 11 and verse 14. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld its glory, its glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus Christ, on God, Jesus, God made himself seeable by bringing himself to the world in form of Jesus Christ. So one of the reasons why God sent Christ to the world was so that you and I could know the God whom we have never seen. Open to Romans chapter 1 here. Romans 1. I would like to read this scripture to us. It's a beautiful scripture. I have read it. I have quoted it. I have preached about it several times. 
But let me show you here. Romans 1.20. Romans 1.20. Here you read. Romans chapter 1 verse 20. It said for the invisible things of him. Him. The invisible things of him. From the creation of the world are clearly seen. Now first of all he said invisible. Then he says are clearly seen. How can invisible things be clearly seen? He first of all said they are invisible. Now he's saying they are clearly seen. How does invisible things become clearly seen? And that's why I say for the good things of him from the creator of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead. He said, even the way that he clearly showed you the invisible Godhead was by the things that he made. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When God introduced himself to Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 3 verse 14, he introduced himself to Moses as I am. When Moses said, who should I say sent me? And he said, well, if it is who sent you, tell them that I am, or I am that I am, sent you <laughs> and that is why when you look at the book of john saint john's gospel which is the book where christ was portrayed as the son of god you will discover that in the book of in the book of saint john jesus used that word i am nothing less than 12 or 15 times in john chapter 8 verse 58 he looked at the people like this he was just about 33 years old he said before abraham was i am huh he will say what do you mean <laughs> look at you so then we knew where you were born you see, but you see, they, they didn't understand. First John 5 20 says, The Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. So the Son of God came to give you and I an understanding, an understanding of the God that you and I will have wanted to see, whom God wants you and I to be like, but whom we have not been able to be like because we think that we have to see him before we are like him. And so God sent Christ to the world so that you and I can see him as he is. And that is why in the book of John, you will see him in John 10, 7. He says, I am the door. I mean, he is the door. You read again, he, uh, John 11, verse 25 and 26. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. John 14, 6. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You see, so you can see that one of the reasons why Christ came was to display and to show you and I the absent God whom we cannot relate to because we think we don't see him. I like this scripture again that I always use in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I read from verse 3 and 4. It said, if this gospel it is hidden, it is hidden to them who are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the hearts of them that believe not, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, to shine upon them. So the glorious gospel of Christ is portraying the image of God. I like verse 6 of 2 Corinthians still chapter 4. He said, God who commanded light to shine out of darkness have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. When Christ came, he came to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. We are in the face of Jesus Christ. Which makes when you look at the face of Jesus Christ, 
What you are looking at is the knowledge, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a challenge. But when God said that, I was relieved. One of the reasons why he sent Christ to the world was that Christ will put a human face on God so that you and I can relate to him. Yet, he was fully God. Christ was fully God. He was fully God in the sense that he came and manifested those things that God wanted him to manifest to show us the kind of person that God actually is. So Jesus Christ came and said, and the Father, we are one. He that has seen me have seen the Father. If you look at me, I'm the brightness of his glory. I'm the express image of his person. Then secondly, then God said to me again, I would never forget. You see, these things were the things that turned my life right. You see, most of the time you don't learn until you ask questions. God is not afraid of your questions. He is capable of answering them. God is not good. You see, it's, you are free to ask God questions because that which you don't know, you are free to ask. And if you ask, you surely come, you, you surely come down to the level of your understanding and surely meet you at the point of your need. Then secondly, God said to him, he said, not only, not only did Christ come to show you the kind of person I am, but also, number two, I sent Christ to the world to show you the kind of person I want you to be. I don't know whether this blows your mind or not, but hey, when that word sank into my soul, you came to show, you sent Christ to show me the kind of person that you are, and then you also sent Christ to show me the kind of person you want me to be. So in Christ, you are showing me who you are, and in Christ, you are showing me the perfect example of the person you wanted me to be. Think about that a minute. So in Christ, God is showing me the kind of person he is. Because Christ came to mirror God. But more than that, Christ also came to show me the perfect example of the specimen that God wants me to be. And when you look at the Bible, that is what the Bible says. The Bible did not only tell us that Christ came to mirror God, but the Bible also tells us that Christ came to mirror to us the perfect example of the kind of person that God wants you and I to be. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says, Whosoever does not have the spirit of Christ is none of his. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 12, he said, for as long as I am in the world and the light of the world, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness at all. He shall have the light of life. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 29, he said, whom he did for know, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So not only did Christ come to show me the kind of person that God is, Christ did not just come to tell me the dispositions, the habits, the way God speaks, but Christ also came to give me an example of the kind of person that will satisfy God. First Peter 2.21 He said, you have, Christ has given us an example that we should walk in his steps. First John chapter 2 verse 6 He that said he abideth in him so ought to walk as he walked. So Christ came to give me a diagrammatical word illustration of the kind of person God is, but over and above that he also came to express to me the kind of man that I am supposed to be. So in Christ, 
who God is and who God wants man to be meet in expression. For a young Christian, that was just too great. For somebody who was just coming into the things of God, that was an insight. For somebody who was just coming to realize that that God had saved him and God had great expectations and plans for him. That was the best plan I believe God could ever have for anybody. That God wants me to be like him. And in case I think God is invisible and I cannot see God, so he sent a picture. He sent a picture in the form of Christ. And if I can only be like Christ, I should also understand that Christ is a member of the Godhead body. If I can only be by Christ, not by having the same kind of mustache, or by wearing the same kind of clothes, or by having the same kind of barb, barbed hair, or by having the same kind of musa, or, 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 or physical, natural human demon, but by acquiring the attributes I see in Christ, I will be actually acquiring the attributes he, that's in God, and I will actually be like God. Because the Bible tells us when Christ was here, he was in the form of God. Philippians 2 6. Who been in the form of God? He was in the form of God. And that is quite, quite strong. So the word of God tells us that you and I are supposed to be like him. And the second reason, like I said, why God sent Christ to the world was that he wanted us to see in his face the kind of person. That he wanted us to be. So in Psalm 17 verse 15 becomes practical. As for me, I will behold his face in righteousness. And I shall be satisfied when I awake with his likeness. So what I and you need to do is just be looking at the face of Jesus. Because if you keep looking at the face of Jesus, you are going to be transformed. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. He said, we all with open faces beholding as in the glass the glory of the Lord. We are changed from one level of glory to another level of glory as by the spirit of the Lord. When God revealed that to me, it was a comforting discovery. It was an assuring discovery. It was a life-transforming discovery. And one thing about me is this. Immediately I discovered something like that, I put it to practice. The next thing I did was to begin to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because I felt in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I will correctly see God in action, and I will correctly see what God is expecting of me in life and in ministry. Christ did not just come to give us an example of who a Christian is. He also came to give an example of who a minister is. In Matthew, Matthew, and John, there is a full, complete expression of who a minister is supposed to be without running away from who a Christian is supposed to be. The reason why we have bad ministers who bring disgrace to the gospel by all their actions which they claim is from God and does not owe anything other to selfish personal desires is because they are not good Christians. The foundation of our Christian living is the basis of a successful and a good minister. Nobody can be a good minister who is not a good Christian. But today, many people who are not good Christians, who are not stable, who are not, who are not devoted and committed to God in the way they should, claim that they have a ministry. How can a house be built that has no foundation? The foundation of good ministry is good Christian life. And that is why when you are in ministry, you will not be doing things that, that, that run contrary to the basic doctrine of the faith. Because there are some people in the name of ministry who do things that run contrary to the basic doctrine of the faith. That's why Paul said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. He fought to keep it. You are going to have to fight. First Timothy 6.12 tells you the kind of fight you are going to fight. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Not the good fight of ministry. 
The greatest sight you find is in ministry there will be so many things that will entice you and try to pull you to do things that are contrary to the world and the Christian faith. But you have to fight to keep your faith. If you fight to keep your faith, your ministry will succeed. Because your ministry will be be founded on something that is solid, something that is unmovable, something that is genuine on a Christian conversion. The ministry is not meant for those people who are not saved. It's when people so get saved thoroughly that ministry is not caused them. But you see people who are not even good Christians. They don't come for any prayer meeting. They find it difficult to fast. They, cannot, they don't read their Bible regularly except to run through conference and preach one message after the other. And then they say, oh, I have a call. I have a call that has called me. You better know what you are thinking about. Because it may not be the call. It could just be one of your zealous, ambitious plans. It could be because of your lazy disposition. You think in ministry laziness can be condoned and you can do anything you want and wear. Since so the people will keep coming Sunday after Sunday, then I can make it. No, no matter. Or because you, you lie and you know you can cajole and uh, tell people things that they, you don't need to tell them. You think you can get away with many things. It starts with that. And so I laid the foundation of my Christian life by reading Matthew, Mark, and John. And when I was reading it, I was not reading it as a minister. Remember, I was reading it as somebody who clearly understood that Christ came to mirror God and Christ came to give me the perfect example of the kind of person God wanted me to be. If Christ came to mirror God and Christ came to give me the perfect example of the kind of person he wants me to be, if I can just therefore be like Jesus, I will be being like God. And if I am like God because I am like Jesus, then I am in the kind of shape God wants me to be. Hallelujah. That was the way it looked to me. So I read Matthew, Matthew, and John. For six months, I concentrated on it. I was reading three chapters every day. There are only 89 chapters in Matthew, Matthew, and John. So I read it three chapters every day. And for six months, that was all I was doing. Just soaking it in. If you are a minister or you are a Christian and you don't read Matthew, Matthew, and John constantly... I cannot guarantee that your salvation experience is for real. And I cannot guarantee that your ministry will be stable. Or that things that you do will be in line according to righteousness. Because that is the place where every good ministry begins. Every good ministry takes its root from Christ. Not from Moses, not from the Old Testament. Many people try to, you see, they try. You see, you and I will never have been ministers if it are not for the new covenant. There is no basis for you being a minister, them being a minister, if you're not from the tribe of Levi. How will you have been one? I mean, there could be sporadic choices, instances of God choosing an Elijah, but for us all to be kingdom of priests, everybody's coming as a minister. It is what Christ made possible. Through the shed blood of Christ on the Calvary's cross, according to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, he now made us kings and priests unto his God. We are a chosen generation. Our generation is not the generation before us. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, a peculiar people. The thing that you and I have an opportunity of taking advantage of, those before us never had an opportunity. There were many pious men, according to Matthew 13, 17, there are many pious men, many righteous men, who wanted to see one single day of the Son of God, but they did not see it. That's why Jesus looked at those people that saw his days in Matthew 13, 16. He said, blessed are your eyes for the see and your ears for the hear. Because several people before them would have wanted to see the single day of the Son of Man, but they couldn't see it. It wasn't possible for them to see it. And so I read Matthew, Matthew, and John. I went through it. I picked it through with a needle. Every chapter, every verse, I was reading it. I was chewing it. I was, I was making sure that I never swallowed on three chapters a day. 
And at the end of the day, there was nothing better than wanting to be like Jesus. Because if you have never gotten to know him, you will never know what it is to love him. You never know what it is to fall in love with him. When you know him for who he is, falling in love with him will be the easiest thing that you have ever had. When I read Matthew, I fell in love with Jesus. Because my opinion about him was no longer based on what the preacher said. My opinion was based on... I remember one day I was reading, I was reading, I was reading. All of a sudden, I was no longer in the room. I cannot understand when Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the spirit that quickened the, the flesh, profited nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. At times in the night, God would take me in visions of dreams through some of those streets where Jesus walked through. Now, I have never been to Israel. And when I'm going there, I'm not going there for excursion. I remember last year, was it this year or last year now? When Pastor Jalal was going to Israel, he came to me. He said, what should he do when he goes there? I said, well, one thing I want you to do if you go there is read your Bible. And if you are taken to a special place and they tell you the name, go back to the Bible and see how what you are shown relates to what the Bible says. When you are on the Sea of Galilee, begin to remember all those miracles that Jesus did by the Sea of Galilee. The, the fishes, how they took them out and had golden coin in their mouth. When you go to Bethany, know how Lazarus used to live there and how Jesus used to walk from that place to, to the temple every day in the last seven days of, of, his, of his ministry on earth. I said, do that. And I read those areas. I read them very, very deeply. I spent quality time doing it. And the reason why I did that was because I wanted to be familiar with the kind of person that Jesus was and the kind of example that God wanted me to have and to follow after. Because I did not want to pattern my life after some minister somewhere. I did not want to pattern my life after some man somewhere. After some basketball star or some movie actor or some successful businessman, I wanted to pattern my life after what God who made me want me to pattern my life after. And that was very early in ministry. That is why it is very good to lay the bear the yoke in your youth. That is why it is very good to put the foundation in place when things can still be put in shape and in form and in fashion. Like God wanted you to be. And so I did that. And that became the founding, that, that became the founding father of whatever other things I did in life. And up till today, my perfect example is still in the person that God gave me to be. And my perfect man, my example of the good minister is somebody who is going to ministry, is going to be like Christ's ministry. He said, if you do these things, then you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nobody can be a good minister of Jesus Christ who is not first a good Christian. Nobody can be a good minister of Jesus Christ who will not see that in Christ is the best example of who God is and in Christ is the best expression of the kind of person that God wanted him to be. I want to move on here by saying, why did God or does God want us to be like him? Why did God and does God want us to be like him? Why was it that God said in his word, I wanted to be like me? Or why is God saying, I wanted to be like Jesus? I'm going to give you four reasons. The first reason why God wants you to be like Jesus or to be like him is this. The first reason is that was the original intention of God. When God made man, how did he make man? He made man in his own image and after his likeness. I want us to open our Bible to 1 Corinthians 15. I want to show you something here. 1 Corinthians 15. 
I want to show you something here. You may have seen it before, but I want to show you to you again. The original intention of God is that you and I will be like Adam before you sinned. The original intention of God is that you and I should be like Jesus before. before I mean, you, you and I should be like Jesus before he went to the cross. Because when he went to the cross, he who knew no sin was made to be sin. First Corinthians 15, I'm reading from verse 45. And 47. First Corinthians 15 verse 45. And so it is written. You can underline whatever he is here. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Underline the, the first I mean, Adam. The first man, Adam. And then the last Adam. There are two Adams there. First and last. The first one was Adam in the Garden of Eden. The last one was Jesus Christ. Verse 47. I read again from verse 47. He said, The first man, underline that, the first man, first man, is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Underline first man and second man. Now, the first man, Adam, the second man, Jesus Christ. So, as far as God is concerned, those two people, those two people are the perfect expression of what a man should be. But you see, you and I cannot have Adam as an example. The first Adam or the first man. Because that man did not live for more than one week before he sinned. So whatever man had become was man whose nature had been corrupted. But when Christ came here... Everything he did here on earth, he did as the perfect example of the kind of man God wants you and I to be. So when the Bible says in Ephesians 4.24, put on the new man, what the Bible is saying is, I want you to be like Jesus. When the first Adam messed up the plan and the program of God, the last Adam came to be the perfect example of the kind of man God wanted you and I to be. And so in Jesus Christ, you and I have the original intention in the heart and the mind of God. So if God wants you and I to be like someone, God wants you to be a, and I, you and I to be like Adam before he sinned. And Jesus Christ was living here before he went to the cross. Because that is the shape in which he wants to relate to us. That is the shape he originally had in mind to make man in. And that is the shape he wants man to be. So that man can be able to relate to him the way he had always wanted to relate to man. So why should I want to be like Jesus? Why should I want to be like Jesus Christ? Because in Jesus you find the full practical, physical, spiritual, sonical expression of God's original plan. If God wants it to be in any shape, that is the shape he wants it to be. He doesn't want it to be like me. He doesn't want you to be like X or Y. He wants you to be like Jesus. Because in Jesus, you find the perfection of beauty. In Jesus, you find the perfect expression of what God wants you and I to be. That is why you should want to be like Jesus. Whether as a minister, if you are an evangelist, if you are a pastor, if you are a teacher, if you are a prophet, if you are an apostle... 
In Jesus is the fullness of the expression of all these things without contamination. He manifested the ministries without contamination. The day where you find all over the places are contaminated expressions of various and terrible kind of things all over the places. They call themselves all over. I remember that we went to a place and somebody said, Hello, I said yes. He said he was speaking in front of people, a few just a group of people. He said, God even told me that he, he has called me to be a bishop. I have never seen that kind of call in the Bible. Have you seen one? The Bible said, if a man desire, did God call everybody to be a, a bishop? Did he not say if a man desire? What makes then you see there are people to read the Bible? The gifts and the kind of God without repentance. When God calls people, He does not call people to be bishop, He calls people to be apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. If a man ever desires to be an evangelist, he is not one. And it can be one. Because it's not something that you put yourself. No man take this honor. Who, uh, the book of Hebrews 5 4. No man take this honor upon himself except he's called, even as Aaron was called. Did you notice in the beginning that most of the people that God called to do something, they didn't want to do it? Do you know God didn't? Most of people who, whom God called, when Saul was called to be king, he ran away. When Gideon was called, he did not want to be. Amos said, I'm neither a prophet nor a prophet's son. So it's not something, but if you desire the office of a bishop, it is your desire. And that desire comes out of a corrupted nature that has not been redeemed properly. A hot mind that has not been renewed. People want to be many things out of a selfish human desire. What some people call vision today is not vision, it is mere ambition. It's mere ambition, wanting to be. Wanting to be. Most of the time, those who don't want to be, those are the people that God makes to be. He said we are not sufficient of ourselves to, to make ourselves anything. Our sufficiency is of God who has made us. If you want to be the likely possibilities that you try and make yourself to be. But if you don't want to be it, you'll have to take God for you to be. For you to be. For you to be. I have to be like Jesus because in Jesus is the original vision of God. In Jesus, we now have what God had in mind from the very beginning for you and I to be. In Jesus, we now see it like that. In Jesus, that is how it looks like. Number two. Why should I be like Jesus? Because being like Jesus is the only nature that can overcome Satan and the world. Jesus is the only one on record who was never defeated by Satan. He is the only one on record. And if my Christian life will never be defeated, if my ministry will never be trampled under, if God is going to build that church and build that ministry and the gates of hell will not prevail, then the minister must be like Jesus. Because his ministry is the only ministry that was never defeated. Talk about any other ministry. At one time or the other, I developed a leg. And so I have to be like him because in Jesus, I find the perfect expression of somebody who was able to put the devil wherever the devil belongs. It is only in Jesus' ministry you hear the following statement. Matthew 4, 11. And the devil leaveth him. <laughs> I like that statement. He did not say, and the devil left him. He said, and the devil leaveth him. Which means whenever the devil comes, the devil always has to go. 
And when you read in Luke chapter 4 verse 13, talking about the same Jesus, he said the devil departed from him for a season. When the devil came back, the devil still met his defeat. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 30, Lo, I come and the prince of this world has nothing in me. He was the only one. He was the only one that looked at the devil in Luke 10, 18. He said, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. He said in John 12, 31. He says, now is the judgment of this world. And the prince of this world is cast out. In Matthew 16, 23. Jesus looked at the devil talking to Peter. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou sufferest not the thing that be of God, but the thing that be of man. Only in Jesus is the form of what overcomes. John 16, 33. Jesus says these words by speaking unto you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation he said but be of good cheer I have overcome it is only being like Jesus that puts you in the overcoming position huh I like something Jesus said in Revelation 3 he said because you have kept my word of patience I will also keep you from the hour of tribulation that is coming to pass in the world he said because you have kept my word of patience I will also keep you. Nobody else can keep someone who did not keep himself. He had to overcome. And he's seated on the right hand of his father. Nobody else can sit in that position except him who overcame. And so whatever he took him to overcame is in his nature already. And so if he's my perfect example and I'm going to be like him, then whatever the devil that the world, Satan and the flesh struck me, oh, ladies and gentlemen, you'll just see me overcoming that. Overcoming that. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome. If I have overcome, nobody else said that again. Nobody else could say that. David could not say that with all his anointing. Elijah could not say that. When they told Elijah that Jezebel was coming, he ran. When they told Jesus Christ that Herod was waiting, he said, go and tell that fox. Today I'm here. Tomorrow I'll be in so and so place. On the third day, he can meet me down the river. I'm going to be ready for him. Now what is he saying? That is fixing the devil. Letting the devil know that he is not out to be defeated. If that was the kind of person he was, then ladies and gentlemen, that's the kind of person I want to be. Whatever made him to be like that, that's the kind of person I want to be. Whatever the price I have to pay to be like that, that's the kind of person I want to be. I, I don't want to be someone like Samson who have a great ministry in the beginning and lose out of the end. I don't want to be like somebody like David. I don't want to be like somebody like Solomon. No, no, no. I want to be like that man who began and who finished. Out of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ, he lost one of them. And if only that one person had tried to come back, probably would have accepted him. But you know that Paul, out of his apostles and friends that were in Asia, he lost every one of them. The whole ministry in Asia was thrown to the dogs. He said, I would like to tell you this, that all of them who are in Asia have forsaken me. They have forgotten about me. They have abandoned me. I've lost them all. They've gone from me. Christ did a lot to lose. He said, all that the Father gives to me, I'll keep them. He said, the only person I could not keep was this son of perdition. That's the kind of person I want to be like a minister. That's the kind of person I'm going for. That's the kind of aim that I have. He is the only one on record who said, I'll give you authority to have seven scopies and all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means. The devil liveth him. The devil will see that he is too sizable to handle. He's too big to chew. He's too difficult to handle. He's too hot to hold on to. I want to be like him because as a person who can overcome Satan. 
the wall, the flesh, and everything. The third reason why I want to be like him, I told you, is for <laughs> because it's only been like Jesus that will show that I'm different from this world. It is only been like Jesus that will show that I'm different. Ladies and gentlemen, the kind of Christians I see nowadays are not different. The same thing that happened to unbelievers happened to them. The same devils, the same demons, the same failure, the same defeat. But when Christ came, you will see there was a difference. When he spoke, people say, in John 7, 46, he said, never a man spoke like this before. Uh-uh. A Ghanaian. When he preached and looked at the four verse 32, they said, ah, this one is different. This one is different. This one is not like everybody. Do you know that God is always wanting to put a difference? Exodus chapter 11 verse 7 says, God put a difference between the children of Israel and the children of Egypt. God, you see, it's only been like Jesus that will make you and I different. Different. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6, He said, the Lord has chosen you to be a special people. If there's nothing special about you, then you are not like him. Because in the days when he walked here, everything about him was special. His ministry was special. If you pass through a church as an evangelist, and they are familiar with what you have said because they have heard it before, then check whether you are a minister. If you sing a song, and it does not strike a chord, it does not change somebody, it does not heal a body, it does not transform somebody who is confused, then I doubt whether you are singing under the anointed. I doubt whether you have a call in that area. That whether you have a call. The impression you leave in your hand must be indelible. It must be such when people have come in contact with you, they never remain the same again. Those who come to the east gate should live through the west gate. Those who come to the south gate should live through the north gate because they should never remain the same again. Those who saw Jesus the child went back home another way. Went back home. It's only been like Jesus that will make you different. Ladies and gentlemen, People have seen many of these kind of Christians. You see, you, are, you and I are manatee before. When the apostles started manifesting, the Bible says that the unbelievers in Acts 11 26, they gave them the name Christians. It was a name unbelievers gave them. Why did unbelievers give them that name? Because they only knew a person before that used to behave like that. The Bible said when they saw Peter and John speaking the way they spoke to the Sahendrin, the Bible said in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. He said they knew that they were ignorant and unlearned men, but they also took notice that they had been with Jesus. They took notice of what being with Jesus had done to them. When your ministry is reinvented after the example of what Jesus' ministry was, you will discover there will be a difference. There will be a difference. When you sing the songs of Zion, when you occupy your ministry and you clothe that ministry with honor, you will discover it will not be like one of those ministries. I always tell people when you introduce yourself, don't always say, I'm a minister like you. That is an indication of inferiority complex. I don't have to say I'm a minister like somebody else. Let him just tell me to pray. After I finish praying, he will, will be one who determine whether I'm a minister or not. The Bible says in Isaiah 616, you shall be named priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. They will, they will call you. You didn't call yourself. It is wrong for you to be saying, I, I am reverend. What's all that about? 
the taste of the pudding is the taste of the pudding is in the eating after you pray or you lead a scripture or you lead a prayer meeting or you lead a bible study or you coordinate a fellowship in your place of work or in your school nobody will ever gain say concerning the kind of person you are Luke 21 15 says, I will give you a matter of wisdom which none of your adversary will be able to gainsay or resist. They will not be able to gainsay it. There is a way you cannot, even if you say a man as a thing, the way the man is preaching the word of God is something you cannot resist. You cannot just, you cannot wish him away. He is there. So I have to be like him because he's the only one that made the difference. It's only be like him that makes a difference. Let me say this to you. No ministry can ever come like other ministries that have come who will make a difference. But whenever there emerges a man who is called by God in a peculiarly personal way, he will stand up. It is what makes you stand up that indicates you are called. If you are going to sing what others are singing, please keep quiet. We already have enough people like you. God is not in the process of duplicating people he made all of us peculiar we are so peculiar that our fingerprints are different there are six billion people on the earth there are no two people with the same dna there are no two people with the same fingerprints all of us are peculiar we are simply peculiar different everything about everybody is in the final analysis special and different and it's only when Jesus manifests his ministry to you, you will be a good minister. That's what will make you a good minister. A good minister is not somebody who's ministering like somebody down the road and then sings, my soul. Yeah, that's not it. A good minister is somebody who's ministering according to the ability that God gives. Peculiarly and personally and specifically. First Peter 4.10 As every one of us has received the gift so minister one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god if any man speak let him speak as an oracle of god if any man minister let him minister according to the ability that god gives that god and everything may be glorified i want to be like him because it's just been like him that will bring out the difference in me. He's been like him that will shape me. He's been like him that will bring on my peculiar anointing. He's been like him that, that, will, that will make sure he creates an office for me. Let me say this to you. Every one of us can have a peculiar ministry without having to get in the way of somebody else. You don't have to cheat somebody else or run somebody else down to promote your spiritual growth. You, if you expand at somebody else's downfall, your own downfall will have to create expansion for somebody else. God is not deceived whatsoever a man swear that shall he reap. When God makes you, he makes you peculiar. So I want to be like him because it's been like him that will bring out my difference. It's been like him that will create the difference. When Jesus Christ was going to go through a particular place one time in Luke 9, the Samaritans were not going to allow them to go. So they came, haven't seen the ministry of Elijah, so they came to Christ and said, let us call fire down from heaven. Just like Elijah did. He just said, eh, eh, wait, stop that. Verse 55. He said, we're not going to call fire that. He said, because you know not what manner of spirit you are made up of. You are a different generation. You are a different person. You are not going to kill to live. Christ has made the supreme sacrifice. God is putting a difference. I always say this to people. It is unrighteous for God to team we up. To team you up. 
or team you up with unbelievers. So the things that happen to unbelievers will happen to show that they do not know the difference. Who is a Christian? Who is not a Christian? It must be clear who a Christian is. In the in in the, in, the, in in Israel, it was clear who they were. Today, as small as Israel is as a nation, there is no amalgamation of nations in the world that can destroy Israel. The last battle of Armageddon that will be fought will be between the armies of Israel, Russia, the head of the other armies, and all these other nations together, yet they will not be able to conquer Israel. That is a difference. In your place of work, they will not be able to conquer you. Associate yourself with you people, you will be broken in pieces. Imagine it if you come to naught. You will be a hard nut to crack, a hard nut to chew. You are a rock of offense. Anybody that fall upon you will be broken in pieces. Anybody you fall on, you grind them to powder. Some people have been succeeding in saying some things about people. When they say it about you, one say turn on. One done, one done, turn on. I always tell people, when you speak about men of God, you get away with it. There are some people you speak against and death will be the result. Death. The Bible says some people are not afraid to speak against evil of dignity. Look at it in the Bible. Miriam and Aaron had gossiped for years. Only God knows for how long they have been gossiping. But the day came when they gossip against their junior brother. Leprosy came down from heaven. God put a difference. That one is a no place go. That one is a no go area. But some people, see some Christians suffer. They suffer in silence. They suffer because their mouth. Because when you use your hand or use your tongue to talk to the Lord, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Whether it's hand or mouth. And at times it's this death. Let me say it again. Death. I did not know. Ignorance is no excuse in law. That's why David said, even as backslidden soul is, I will not touch him. Because nobody can touch the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. First Samuel 26 verse 9. Nobody can touch. That was a backslidden king who was already demon possessed. David understood. He walked in the wisdom of the wise. He walked upon his high places. He knew the spirit and the power of God upon Saul. And the fact that Saul was backsliding did not mean that Saul had not been anointed with oil. When they came and told David that Saul was dead, David cried. He said, how are the mighty falling in the midst of the battle? The fourth reason why I want to be like him, and this is what I'm going to zero in on in the next few minutes, is because... Being like him is an important requisite for doing his work. Being like him is an important requisite for doing his work. Let me say this and I will explain this to you in a simple way you understand me. When Christ came, he started talking about doing one work. Doing one work. He said it. In John 4, 34, he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. In John 9, verse 4, he said, I must walk the walk of he that sent me what is his day. For the night coming when no man can walk. He kept talking about something called walk. John 17, verse 4. Jesus again said, he said, I have finished the walk without giving me to do. He says so many things about walk, walk, walk. I want us to read a few scriptures about walk, 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 walk. Just about four of them. Open to John 5. John 5. John chapter 5. I want us to read verse 36. John 5, 36. Are you there? 
He said, but I have, John 5.36, but I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Go on to John 10. John 10. 35, I mean 25. John 10, 25 and 38. John chapter 10, verse 25 and 38. Jesus answered them, I told you and you believe not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. Move down to verse 38. John 10, 38. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Go to 14, 11. And then we go to 15, 24. John 14, 11. And then 15, 24. John 14, 11. He said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. 15.24. I like this one a lot. John 15.24. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my Father. When Jesus came, he started talking about a particular kind of work. He said, walk, 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 walk. But that was not the only thing he said. He now says something again. John 14, 12. The walk that I do, shall you do also. If Jesus did that walk successfully, and he's not telling you and I that we are going to have to do the same walk, how can you and I succeed in doing the work Jesus did without being like Jesus if we want to have the same success that he had? I will explain that to you in a simple way in a minute. We are told in the Bible that God sent Jesus. That Jesus says something again. He said it in two places. John 20, 21. John 17, 18. He said, as my father have sent me, so send I you. Now, let me explain to you this. Let me say this, that every doctor is not just a good doctor because he trained, because he qualified. If every doctor is a good doctor because he trained and because he qualified, then there will be no reason for you and I to want to see one doctor instead of another doctor. Why we want to see one doctor instead of another doctor? It's not because one probably had a better or a higher training than the other, but because there is something about them, that individual, that individual, that individual, that gives a different environment, cutting edge, power, attractiveness, and success. To their practice. I will explain it in a further way like this. Whenever you say doctor. A doctor is not just a doctor by trading. There is what we call the nature of a doctor. The nature of a doctor is a sympathetic nature. You may be very good at it but not have that nature. That sympathetic nature. 
that loving nature, that caring nature. You may be qualified, you may get 100 over 100. But you see, when you are talking about a doctor, you are talking about somebody who has a peculiar caring habit. A disposition so that what actually makes him a doctor is not just his training, but the character. It is who he is inside. When you are talking about a lawyer, you are talking about a very analytical person. He analyzes. And so, you see, let me say, Jesus did the work. But let me say this to you. Somebody else can do that work and not have the same success that Jesus had because that man has a different spirit apart from the spirit that Jesus had. If it's clear to you, wave your hand like this. You see, let me say this and let me, let me explain it more like this. A doctor may not be able to give you a different prescription than what somebody else is going to give you. But there is a spirit in that doctor. When you come, he makes you feel at home. He said, oh, you're welcome. How are you? But someone said, welcome. Take a seat. Now, the person with the hard face may be more academically sound, but he does not have that quality that endear you, that makes you relax, that makes you feel at home. But the other person is not even academically so much deep. But he has that care. That spirit comes from him to you. That spirit that comes from him to you is actually the factor that will differentiate both of them in terms of the kind of results they are going to get. Jesus says the work I'll do, will you do? Now, if you are going to do the work he did, then you are going to have to be like him. And that's why Romans 8, 9 says, whosoever does not have the spirit of Christ. That's why Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you which was in Christ. Because if that mind which is in Christ is not in you, the likely possibility is that you will be in ministry, but the kind of results you are supposed to get, you won't get it. Not because you are not working, but because the spirit that is supposed to be behind the work is not there. And so your results will be short-circuited, and your program, and the, the, the final thing we get, will not be the kind of thing that God expects you to get. We are talking about character here. A good minister is not just somebody who preaches well. He's not just somebody who is anointed. He's not just somebody who can sing. He's not somebody who can write songs. He's a man who has the spirit of Christ. So that what you see in Christ is what you see in him. So that his desire is not just to do the works of Christ. His desire is to be like Christ. And so if he's first of all like Christ. And he now wants to do the work of Christ. The work of Christ will flourish in his hands. At times some musicians are so proud and so arrogant. Put the gossip. And they sing and it makes no impact. It's just a blank bullet. Why? He has a good voice. Good recording. But a wrong spirit. The spirit kills it. Somebody could be a good messenger, a good preacher, a good teacher, but he comes with a terrible spirit. He comes in here with 25 people following him. One carrying his glass of water, one carrying his Bible, one carrying his change of clothes, and they come in and flood the place. Ah. Hey. I mean, Jesus never had more than 12 people. And how many people did he take with him to the important meetings? Only two extra. 
three people at most to very important services. So that they will not occupy all the front row and there will no seat for the people who own the church. What are you saying, Brother George? What I'm saying is, listen to me. A good minister of Jesus Christ is not somebody who is better than Jesus. Luke 640. A disciple cannot be greater than his master. He that shall be perfect shall be like his master. Why you say a good doctor? I don't believe a good doctor is somebody who just loads me with injection or give me drugs, but somebody who makes me feel at home. A lawyer can make you feel so fine. Even if you're a criminal, you'll be laughing when you're with him. That's what makes a good lawyer. It is who he is. It is more of who he is than what he can do. He will get many things done by who he is, not so much by what he can do as it were. So I want to be like him. Because if I am not like him, and I'm involved in the kind of work that he's involved in, that is why in the university in those days, now this is no longer awarded. They don't just give you degree because you pass exam. They give you degree because you qualify in what? Character and learning. You can pass, but if your character is bad, they won't graduate you. So that character is important. Character is who somebody is inside. Character is that thing inside a person. Let me say this to you. The reason why some sisters are not yet engaged and some brothers are not yet married, it is not because of any other thing except character problem. Character problem. And you see, God knows. God knows. You have a problem on your own. Joining with somebody else will make you multiply the problem. So it's better for you to remain alone the way you are because of character deficiency. I mean, it will be a task to live with some human beings in the same house. It will be a calling. In fact, you will have to forget your ministry to live with them. Whatever ministry you say you have, you will have to abandon it and say, well, ministry waits. This one is a ministry on its own. Because every attempt for you to be a good Christian is not possible. Because you are having to contend. He shall not cause. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto Gentiles. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. You see, this is the description of Jesus. Gentle, gentle. The servant of God must not strive, but must be gentle, polished, refined. Tamed, taught, not rough. This moral attribute. Look at the way Jesus Christ carried himself. Gentle. As a mother. Gentle. Paul said, We're gentle among you. We didn't scream. We didn't fight. We didn't contend. The third moral attribute. Those ones that you already know, I will not spend so much time on them. The third one is patience. One of the things you see with God is that God is patient. Romans 15 verse 5. God is never in a hurry. One of the problems of many Christians is that they are in a hurry. Luke 8 15. He said you bring forth food only with patience. When patience have a perfect what you'll be perfect and entire lacking nothing. Luke 21, 19. In your patience possess you your souls. 
Hebrews 6.12 Be not slow to fall out of those who do faith and patience. Inherit the promises. Do you know that patience is the fruit of the spirit? Galatians 5.22 is the fruit of the spirit. Do you know that gentleness, Galatians 5.22 is the fruit of the spirit? These are the things you see in Jesus. God is not asking you to be like him by being omnipotent. Oh, I want you to be like him by being omniscient. You know everything. We know in part. We prophesy in part. God is not asking me to be that. Wanting to be like Jesus is not that. This is what wanting to be like Jesus is. Patient. Rejoicing in hope. Romans 12, 12. Patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. The Bible says, what is the meaning of that? Let me define patience. To be patient means to endure pain, trouble, and delay without complaining. Some people, minister, want to get there today. Jesus got there after 30 years. If it was some ministers I know, they cannot stay for 30 years before they bring out their ministry. Christ waited for 30 years before he preached his first message. His family member did not even believe that he will ever come out and tell anybody. You can read John chapter 7, verse 4. They told him, they said, hey, look, they said, hey, if, if, you, if you are doing this kind of miracles, you should not be hiding it. Go out there and let everybody know about it. But Jesus told them in verse 6, he said, as for you, your time is always said, but my own time has not come. Patient. 30 years he waited until the beards could grow. Until he had maturity under his belt. Ministry without spiritual maturity is going to lead to catastrophe. Before Elijah showed himself to Ahab, 1 Kings 18, verse 3, God told him, 1 Kings 17, 1, go and hide yourself. It is only when God has built up Zion that Zion appear. Patience. When Samuel came to Eli and said, I have heard the voice of God. God has called me. Eli said, go and lie down. The body don't say, ah, I can't lie down. Anointing, don't look. If you see the anointing vibrating through my body now because of the call of God. He went and laid down. Until he was told the next step. He said, when you hear that voice again, say... Speak, Lord, for your servant here. Jesus was patient. The Bible says in Isaiah 28, 16, I have laid in Zion for the foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious corner stone. He that believeth shall not make haste. Proverbs 19, 2, that a soul should be without knowledge is not good. He that hasteth with his feet seen it one transition i think that's the good transition he said your impatience will get into trouble in isaiah 28 16 the one i quoted to you one translation i like is this he says he he said faith that is firm is also patient what kind of a person was job patient josh james 5 verse 10 verse 11 patient what kind of person is god patient what kind of person is jesus patient Jesus is the person who wants us to know that we need to be patient. James 5, 7. He said, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. For the husband man waited for the precious fruit of the earth, and has long patience for it, 
until he receives the early and the latter rain. Many of us are not patient. You can't wait for your time. That was what destroyed Gehazi's ministry. Gehazi was supposed to take the mantle of Elisha. That was why Elisha died with the anointing in his bone. They buried the anointing with him in his bone. That was why when they were fighting a war in 2 Kings chapter 13, and they were trying to quickly bury a man, when they put that man into the ground, his body who was, that was dead touched the bone of Elisha, and the dead man came back to life. Because Elisha, there is no record he passed his anointing to anybody. Because Gehazi was not patient enough. He wanted to begin to take honorariums in ministry when he had not matured yet. In your patience, you bring forth fruit. In your patience, you possess your soul. Where you are going to get to, there is nothing you can do to accelerate the time you are going to arrive there. And where you will not get to, you will never get there. There is an answer added that says, Homini Sandere Griawaye. Which means no matter how long the night is, the day is going to break. There is nothing you can do to accelerate when you are going to arrive. If God says you are going to arrive in the year 2040 and you want to do everything to get there, the only thing I can guarantee is that you are not going to get anywhere. Whether the place God has appointed or the place you are trying to get to. Patience. This is what you see in Jesus. He waited. What I imagine 30 years of waiting for a ministry of three and a half years. How many young men? Most of the young men nowadays can't wait. That's why we have mushroom ministries. Insignificant young boys and girls all over the place. Calling themselves all manners of names. Dressing in all manners of funny suits and ties. And shoes. Looking for spiritual fathers because they are vagabonds in the ministry of life. Just roaming about. Children that have left home. Who instead of going back home are roaming about. I want you to be my father. I also have vagabonds who have wandered away. Who know they may come back one day. So let there be enough seats in the house. So that when they come, at least if they cannot sit on the chair, they can sit on the floor. Another one, faithfulness. Faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? To be completely reliable. To be entirely trustworthy. To be completely reliable, entirely trustworthy. To be somebody who keeps promises. The God we serve is a faithful God. Look at Jesus was faithful. We are told in the book of uh, Deuteronomy 7, 9. Isaiah 49, 7. He says God is faithful. First Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful. First John 1, 9. God is faithful. First Thessalonians 5, 24. God is faithful. Timothy was a faithful person. Completely reliable, entirely trustworthy. Somebody that when you give a work, you don't supervise them. Because you know they will do it. Some people, even when you supervise them, they will not even do it then. Somebody you can hand over. God handed over everything to Christ. Christ came here. He said, I'll finish the work you gave me to do. He could be trusted. I give him a work and go and come back and the work will be finished, complete, absolutely put in place the way it's supposed to be. That has been like Christ. One of the greatest problems we have today in the body of Christ is that many people are not faithful. And you see, godliness and faithfulness go together. Psalm 12 verse 1. He said, help Lord! 
For the godly man sees it among the children of men. There are no more faithful people in the land. Help, Lord! Psalm 101, verse 6. He said, My eyes shall be upon the faithful in the land that they may dwell with me. At times, some people will give you the impression that they are reliable, but they are not. Proverbs 26. He said, Every man will proclaim his own goodness. He said, But a faithful minister, a faithful messenger, who can find? First Corinthians 4.2 Let a man account of us as ministers of God and faithful stewards of the manifold grace of God. Faithful. Faithful. You can read in Luke 16 from 16 verse 10 to 12. He said, He that is faithful in little is faithful in much. He that is faithful in that which another man, God will give you your own. He who is unfaithful in your righteous mammon, God will give you true riches. But if you are unfaithful in your righteous mammon, who will give you the true riches? If you are unfaithful in that which another man, who will give you your own? Let me say this to you. The reason why many sons ministry never become bigger than their father's ministry is not because that's the plan of God. The plan of God is that the son's ministry will be bigger than the father's ministry but because the son was not faithful in that which was his father's, most son's ministry do not ever become as big as their father's ministry. And will never become big as their father's ministry until there is faithfulness in your heart. The plan of God is that everything should be expanded so that your children will do much more. In the natural, that's how it is. I am doing much more in the natural than my father did. I traveled to England several times. My father traveled only once or twice. And whenever he described it, he described it with a lot of flourish. I have even lost the number of times I go. I was thinking of how many times I'm still going to go before the end of the year. It's almost going to be almost about four or five times. Now, my father never even had that in his 68 years of experience on earth. Faithful, a faithful man, Proverbs 28 20, shall abound with blessings. But he that hasteth to be rich shall not be innocent. The reason why some people are making cassette is not because they want to bless the body of Christ, but they want to make money. There are hungry authors making useless pamphlets all over the places. I say pamphlets or things that are not better than tracts. Is that the kind of book you think? If that's the kind of book we read, shall we be in Christianity now? Hungry. Hunger is their problem. Their God is their belly. Who mind hardly things? According to Philippians 3 19, he said, the, Their God is their belly. They mind hardly things. Let your heart be set on things above and not things on the earth. What are you saying, George? No faithful people. People whose ministry will have expanded are afraid to establish branches. Because there is no faithful person to put. No, no faithful person. Who is that wise and faithful servant? Whom the Lord will put in a position of authority. And who when the Lord comes will find him doing it. This is what it means to be like Jesus. If Christ had come here, he was all the time reliable. He was always communicating with heaven. There are some people when you put them in a place, they will never communicate with you again. Until the day they come and you see that they have changed the signboard. Once you, Jesus was daily reporting to God. Daily. John 8, 30, 29. My father who sent me has not left me alone because I do always those things that are well 
pleasing in his sight. Put some people in a position. They won't communicate with you again. They will behave like they were the person who put themselves there. The Bible was talking about Jesus. said every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Moses was faithful to whoever. If you read the Bible, I want you to watch out for this. You see people like Timothy being regarded as faithful. Tychicus being regarded as faithful. Epaphras being regarded as faithful. These were faithful people. You will see their names in the Bible. They were not the only ministers in their days. There were other people like them. Where are their names? There is no place in the history of the memory of the church. For people who are not faithful. My eyes shall be upon the faithful in the land. Psalm 34, Psalm 31, verse 23. He said, Love the Lord, O ye saints, for the Lord will preserve the faithful. Let me close. Another thing is righteousness. Doing that which is right, not doing that which works. Not doing that which everybody is doing. Not doing that which you have always done. Not doing that which you feel like doing. But doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Jesus did only that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6.18 He says you shall do that which is right in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with you. That is righteousness. Having a right standing with God. Acting right, speaking right, walking right. Righteousness. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It is in righteousness, peace, and joy. We talk about the joy in the Holy Ghost. Do we talk about righteousness? Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. People at times want to get it by hook or crook. Jesus did not get anything by hook or crook. He told them, he said, at this point that you have come to capture me, if I want, I will have called 10,000 angels. Is that not what he said? Did he call the angels? No. He was saying, I could have used my executive power to escape from this place. He said, but I will not. The fact that you have power to do something does not mean you should do it. Why should I not do it? It is not right in the sight of the Lord. Jesus says, Lo, I come as is written of me in the volume of the books to do your will. There are some things I have power to do. I tell people. But why don't I do it? Because I know a day is going to come I'm going to give an account to God. What is there to have a ministry and lose your life? What is there in it? What is there? To spend your energy and labor on what does not profit. What is there? What is the gain in it? What shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Paul said, I fought a good fight, I finished my cover, there is a crown of life. There is a crown of life. Waiting for me. Waiting for me. These are moral these are the things that make Jesus who he is different. These are fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, fruit, fruit of the Spirit. These are expressions of the indwelling power of God. I'll give you one more. Holiness. Holiness. Holiness does not 
And let me say this. I want to define. Uh, let, 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 me, let me define it here. I, I have it here. Holiness can be equated with purity. A holy person has two characteristics. Let me tell you what it is. One, he does not sin and he does not tolerate those who sin. Because there are people who say, I don't sin, oh, but you tolerate. You tolerate. You are a friend to those who do it. You sit in the seat of the scornful. Though you don't say anything, but you are sitting there. People say things in your presence you don't rebuke them about. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.11 Have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness. Rather reprove it. It's not just enough for you to say I don't do it all, but you tolerate those who do it. You are as guilty as having done it. Because you are a confederate with those who say it. You are part of the gossipers. You belong to the slanderers group. You are those who ask questions that you should not ask. You belong to the group of those who say things that you should not say. And when we say holiness is not just in dresses. Eh? Eh, the, the, the skirt is over the knees. There are many more things that can defile a man more than skirt. The way you think. The skirt is not over your knee. Your trouser is down to the to the brim of the of the of the trim of your shoe. But the thoughts of your heart are wicked. Your imaginations are devilish. The way we think, the way we speak. God is superior eyes than to behold the nature and cannot look on evil. Jesus had righteous indignation. Not just that he didn't do it, but he was also against those who did it. That was why when he went to the temple, he had to beat up some people. He did not beat them up because they were in the temple, but because they were doing things unholy in the temple. Follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man will see God. When we say good minister, that is what it entails. You can preach for one hour and quote 2,000 scriptures. Nonsense. A parrot that is well taught will do the same thing. Ah, brother George, in fact, I can scatter in every direction. A bomb that is well exploded will scatter in every direction. I can sing so well. An ordinary cassette is doing a better job than you are doing. What are you talking about? We are talking about what is behind it. That's what we are talking about. That is a good minister of Jesus Christ. One who has a spirit. A good doctor is not just somebody who can prescribe the drug. There are certain aspects of medical therapeutic settings that have nothing to do with drugs. But the care that is a good doctor. One lawyer is not different from another lawyer in terms of the books they are going to quote. But there is a way of handling the case. There is a way of handling the accused. There is a way of handling the person who has the problem that you will not even know exactly 
what he has been able to get out of it just because of the way he handles it. I remembered my one of my junior brothers in those days never used to want to collect injection. But there was a doctor, no matter whenever we go to that doctor, the doctor will have injected the boy without the boy even knowing. When he says, Ah, my friends, so he will laugh. The doctor will look at the string line and say, Ah, look at this thing. Why are you bringing that water? And the boy will be looking at me. This kind of water, well, there's no problem. And the boy will at him, Look at me. Ah, Before you know the chua, chua. Then I say, Ah, after the injection has come, Ah! What is the difference? There is a spirit he brings. That is what makes a good minister. The good minister of Jesus Christ, the spirit of Christ that you bring. That's what makes you stand up. That's what makes people invite you. That's, you see, you carry an, a spirit with you that is Christ-like. It makes you irresistible. It makes you accepted. Whether you preach for two hours or three hours or one hour or 15 minutes, people will say, okay, just let him come again. Who is a good minister? The challenge is, God wants us to be like him. But we can't see God, so God sent Christ. To by Christ show us who God is, and to by Christ give us an example of who we are supposed to be. So in Christ now, I can see not just the essential attributes of who God is, but also the moral attributes of who God is. Those moral attributes of God can be acquired, can be communicated. Because all these things we're talking about, righteousness, patience, meekness, I mean gentleness, they are divine attributes. They are only the moral attributes of God. And as you and I inculcate them into our lives, we'll become a good minister. So that it's not when you handle the microphone, a few weeks ago, my, myself, Minister, I mean, Minister Musa, we were in a place where a man was singing. I mean, myself and Minister Musa did not even talk. I was still far from him and he was still far from me. But just looking at this man, I have known him for years. I just, I just said, no, no, something is wrong with this guy. I mean, he's just like a like a showman, you know, a business showman. He sang very well. The song was good. But the spirit was bad. And when we sat down with Mr. Moshe, I said, did you listen to that man? He said, ah, he said, man. Study of God. Showmanship and statemanship is not the same thing. That's why I tell the choir, do not worry about some of this, your movement like this. That's not what we are here to hear. I lift it up, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is more to this thing than the repetition you are making of all the. What is all this? Without myself, I mean, some haven't spoken. We just mentioned something is wrong with that man. Something is wrong with him. I just met. I said, I didn't listen. Ah, that man could sing what he said, but I said, Ah, you noticed? I said, ah. <laughs> The thing was just one on one like that in the spirit. One on one in the spirit. It was like he was a one on one person in the spirit. <laughs> After he was going about like, ah, I look at him. 
So I asked one or two people that he used to know. He said, oh yeah, they are bobbies. I said, oh, okay. Bobbies. He didn't just come across well. He didn't just fix in well. Good sound. So he gave me a CD album and I just look at it like, no, I had to read it through. Read it through. And just the front of the CD, the front. <laughs> what are you saying, George? Look, the CD has been with me. I've not even listened to it. When somebody is hungry, I know. What he needs is not that business. is food. So I give him food. When a hungry author gives you a book, you can see the hunger in him. Well documented and established. God bless you. Stand on your feet. Thank you, Father. We worship and praise you, Master. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your hand and bless the name of the Lord. Talk to the Lord about your life as a person. Come on, come on. Talk to him as a person. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise. Talk to the Lord about your life, brother. This is not just something somebody else can do for you. This is what you do for yourself, isn't it? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we have shared your word indeed from our hearts. You have spoken to them according to that which you have given us. Lord, we pray that we apply these words in the various areas of our life as you deem it fit. Thank you because we never remain the same again. Thank you for those moral attributes of you, O oh God, which you have communicated to us through Christ and his example. Help us to imbibe it. Help us to walk in the fullness of the power of it, O oh God. That we may be the kind of people you want us to be. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.